Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I'm Will Anderson from the title of the podcast and today's episode is with Nat from Nat's What I Reckon. Uh, he has incredible uh, videos online on the internet. You may have seen his jar sauce video which blew up, became an international viral hit but he's got a whole bunch of cooking videos and other videos and he's just written a book called Uncook Yourself. It's Nat's Rules for Life and we talk a lot about the book. We talk a lot about this incredible year that he has had where he's online uh, videos that he's been making for a fair while now suddenly blew up during quarantine and what it was like to be in the middle of all that. Uh, if you're a sort of person who gets offended by bad language, then look, I don't know what to say about that. You're probably at the wrong podcast because there's plenty of bad language in this at the best of times. I think even with the Prime Minister, Julia Gillard, there was a few F-bombs, but there are plenty of them in this episode. So, you know, maybe don't play it in the car with the kids. I guess that's the best bit of advice I could give you. We have a Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash philosophy. That uh, helps us pay for the podcast. Podcast Mike, who edits it all together, helps me organize all the guests. And of course, James Fosdyke, who does all the original artwork, cool artwork for this episode too, by the way. And if you join up at Patreon, you get the episodes a day early and ad free. We have been on a bit of a mission to get a $5,000 in subscribers this year. We have not quite got there. We're about 4800 at the moment, so if you want to sign up there for as little as a dollar a month, uh, if we get to the $5,000 mark, we can release two episodes per week. Uh, what they will be is a brand new episode and a catch-up episode, although this week, uh, going to do a bit of a bonus, which is we will release this episode with Nat uh, early in the week, and then later on this week, a brand new episode with Zoe Coombs-Ma, because that's an episode I've been sitting on for a couple of months now, and would love to get it out this week. So... Uh, patreon.com slash philosophy and of course you can go and support all the other podcasts that I do there's Tofop, there's Fofop, there's Scoot, Two Guys One Cup you can find all the information about those shows at tofop.com along with James Fosdyke's brilliant original artwork so I hope you enjoy this episode with Nat's What I Reckon Hello and welcome to Philosophy with Will Anderson. I'm Will Anderson from the title of the podcast and this is how the show starts. I ask my guest every week who they are and it's particularly interesting this week because it is a new guest to the podcast, a new guest to my world. The first time I believe this uh, particular guest and I have had a conversation but I've read his book just recently and uh, I'm very excited to have him on the show. So here's the question, who are you? Hi, um, I'm a, I'm a rap bag that's just surprisingly wrote a book um <laughs> i'm a comic a musician and a yeah just a just an average fella really yeah so you go by the name nat nat and you say a rat bag who wrote a book mm. now did you ever imagine that that you would write a book because let's start with the book mm. and that's what i reckon because uh i really responded to this book because there's two things about it that i found really compelling mm -hmm. first is it's written in a style a bit unlike other books that you will read you can definitely hear your own voice coming through this book in an incredibly strong way and i think that is a real highlight of it and secondly it feels like a real encapsulation to me of somebody who perhaps a year ago two years ago never imagined they'd be sitting down to write a book is that correct that's pretty bang on yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's pretty much it yeah, if, uh, if you had have told me uh, a year ago that I was going to write a book, I would have laughed at you. I've barely read any books. Um, it's Yeah, <laughs> I find them quite difficult. I find that part of the, the world pretty difficult. I've never been particularly book smart or anything like that. It's just, uh, yeah. So it's, um, I feel like I'm kind of a bit out of my own body sitting here watching myself like I've had a, too much ketamine or something. And I'm kind of looking at my universe from over on the other side of the room being like what the fuck's going on here yeah particularly with uh, there the is a very funny story in the book about ketamine mm. uh, do, can you tell us that story quickly uh i think that's about being at the doctors if i'm correct yes yeah mm -hmm. i um <laughs> yeah i had my i'd have my lung reinflated after it collapsed um, due to some previous illness in my lungs, some tuberculosis, which is a fucking barrel of laughs. Um, and as they've reinflated my lung, which 
surprise, surprise, fucking hurts quite a lot. Um, they gave me as much morphine as I could give me or as I can give someone with this many tattoos. And um, I wouldn't shut the fuck up. Like, I'm still, like, I'm in quite a bit of pain. And um, who knows what they fucking stuck that rod. They do it while you're awake, right? They, like, feel between your ribs and they punch a fucking hole through your ribs into your lung while you're awake, which is pretty awful. I don't know if you've had a pneumothorax before, but it's um, it hurts. It fucking anyone? hurts. Yeah, anyone. It's not very relatable material. No. Stage, right? Anyone had a... Come on, guys. You know what it's like when they're sticking the needle into your lungs. You know, when you've had a fucking tuberculosis and uh, pneumothorax. Yeah. It's, uh, oh, of course. We all have. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I wouldn't shut, I wouldn't shut the fuck up. So they're like, we're going to have to give you some... We're going to have to tranquilize you, dude. Uh, we've got, we're going to have to give you intravenous ketamine. I said, I, uh, I don't really like ketamine. <laughs> and they, and they said, what do you mean? Oh, no, how do you know that? And I said, <laughs> from previous medical procedures. Yeah, that's right. Purely from previous <laughs> medical procedures. From fucking, yeah. Um, so tell me about how quickly your life changed because that's who we're talking to today. We're talking about somebody who was, and we'll get to all the things that you were doing, but... Mm. You know, you've had a remarkable year. So, talk me through a little bit about what the last year has been like for you. It's been it's been wild. I'm, it's been something I've been working towards for a while, but I just seem to hit this fucking vein and um, just crack the right joke at the right time. I'm just a bit of luck, and I suppose a, thankfully a bit of a back catalogue to to show something else to offer something else when people uh looked up what i was doing maybe um just landed me where i am but um yeah it's it's been like i said before i feel like i'm watching myself from the other room i don't really kind of hanging on for dear life here it's been really full-on really fucking full-on exciting but yeah like i've never worked this much in my life well there's two things to explore there one one is the idea that there's one thing to be struck by lightning to have a video in your case you know it was probably the jar sauce you know cooking video that really blew up during mm. quarantine it was a video of the moment you know it got a lot of media attention you know it seemed to sum up something mm. we were collectively going through as a people but you had this individual identity in the middle of it but it wasn't just that you had that video it was that you already had this incredible backlog of other materials so that when people found it, they were then able to access everything else that you've been doing? Yeah, yeah. I think I think there's something to be said about that too. Like if, I know it was called like, oh, there's this overnight success, you know, this kind of, I'm like, fucking hell, man. I've been working at this for ages. I've been pushing for this fucking really hard. I've been filming stuff like after work, during work, fucking really doing my best to, to make people laugh as much as I can. But, um, yeah, the, the cooking thing just went fucking bananas. So what's that like? Talk me through, so you make this video, and for people mm. who haven't seen the video, give us a little explanation of what it was and then what happened next. Well, it, it was a video of me criticising a jar of boring jar sauce, uh, what is to me boring jar sauce, uh, in a time where we we're going to get stuck at fucking in the house uh, inevitably for a hot minute. And I was like, well, I need something to take the piss out of. I need, this is what I do on my channel. I, I kind of like take a stab at very mundane shit. And there's nothing more indoor and mundane to me at the time than fucking jar sauce. So I was at the shops. I saw everyone buying all that fucking toilet roll. And, you know, I get it. I understand why people are doing it. You know, everyone's just having a hard time and they're just trying to play it safe and building a fucking bunker or something. And I uh, bought all this sauce. And I was like, it would be pretty funny to just, have a have a red hot go at like yeah taking the piss out of this jar of sauce it says tomato garlic and basil on it and i'm like guess what the fuck is in that those things <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know so yeah i've more or less made that video and hung a stack of shit on that fucking jar of sauce <laughs> And when you're making a video like that, because this is like a, you know, an artist writing a song on an album that they don't know is going to become a worldwide hit. Mm. Do you have any sense when you're putting together that video as opposed to any of the other videos you've put together before that it's going to strike a chord with people in a way that the others haven't yet? 
It's a funny one, hey. Sometimes I'm sure you get that where you've created something and you think, "Fuck, this is gonna this 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 is pretty funny." I think I've I think I've uh, I think I've landed my jokes and I think it's pretty good. I mean, with this one, I had no fucking idea. I thought the, the video was pretty. I thought the audio was pretty shit, so I was like, "Oh fuck, maybe it won't do so well because of that." But yeah, I, th- I think usually sometimes I have a good read on whether my vids will get more views than others, kind of thing. But uh, this one. No, nah, didn't say it coming at all. Uh, so now walk me through the story of it then. You put it up and is it mm. immediately successful? Does it bubble along for a while and then get picked up somewhere? Like how does that story happen? It, it, it got a lot of views really quickly. I think we hit a million views in a couple of days, if I remember correctly. And then uh, it just kept ticking over and it kept it was getting shared quite a lot. Like... I had a I had a kind of I suppose modest following at that time over a hundred kind of thousand people following my Facebook and I had I, I think fifty thousand people on my Instagram or something so I had a, I had a little following going on there but I still that's not little but it's it's all right uh, so I had I was unsure if this was my usual gang finding this real real funny or it was new people and then I made another one. Cause I'm like, well, this is fucking going all right. I'll make another one, right. and then just bang, the shit went fucking off its head, and it started getting like, I think one of them got like four, five, six million views within a week. Like fucking crazy, crazy everywhere. Like I, you know, with my mask on and my glasses at the fucking shop, getting stuff to go and cook at home. I got fucking people spotting me and wanting to touch me during that COVID shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I can't, even with the mask on and sunnies and all sorts of shit, it would, yeah, really like blew up. Yeah, well, you are one of the few people who still is reasonably distinctive, even with the mask and sunnies on. Yeah, I'm yeah. Be honest with you, mate. That's <laughs> yeah, partly man. your own fault. You have leaned into that look a little that you're identifiable in public. You, you know you know what, Will? I've got a funny story because you, you wound me up once on stage when I was a teenager. Is that right? It is right at the comedy store in uh, Fox Studios. I used to, I had when I was a teenager. You probably don't remember it. Of course you wouldn't. It, but I, I had a mohawk that was two little mohawks that went down the middle of my head, and I think you were emceeing the event, <laughs> and you wound me up for it, which is it was funny. You know, you wound me up, and you're like, well, don't you know, kind of. I can't remember exactly what you said. It was something like, don't upset this bloke. He'll fucking. You know, <laughs> flip out and then all the comics that came on after you consecutively fucking gave it to me <laughs> oh man so yeah well it's good yeah, that I've that had, didn't put I've you off that... comedy i'm no, glad that you still wanted to be involved after that experience yeah yeah no totally like i mean you, you give it you gotta take it a bit yeah <laughs> That was, that's a long fucking time ago, but yeah, I um. Okay, so tell me when you when you really know it's crossing over. What's the call you get, or what's the you know offer you suddenly get from a more mainstream audience that makes you realise this isn't just people passing this around YouTube or Facebook or Instagram now. This has become something you know that's out in the wide mainstream world. I think uh, when your phone starts to just it's just full of missed calls or my email my email just fucking unbelievable thank thankfully i got my partner to help me do this stuff and now like full time do this stuff because we just couldn't handle all these requests and of course they're like tv channels and fucking radio stations and all wanted to talk to me all wanted to you know wanted me to sign a fucking thing i just knew that's kind of like shit this is fucking getting a bit real <laughs> and i very almost signed some stupid shit and i'm glad i fucking had the my head about me and we're like maybe we'll just just calm our farm here a bit and ask for some advice because like yeah shit was coming in hard and fast okay so suddenly you have this opportunity you have this voice you have all these extra mm. eyes on what you're doing um and I wanted to start with the book because I think the book's a good place for us to start on this show anyway, because this is a show where I ask people if they have, you know, any specific life philosophies. And it was an interesting choice in the way that you've structured your book in that you actually have broken it down, at least, you know, in conceit wise into your rules for life. So mm. what was the idea behind that? Because it obviously is something that you get a choice in, you decide what it is that you want to say to the world why was it through these philosophies through these rules um i suppose at at a 
like objectively the whole thing is a bit of a kind of piss take on the self-help thing so mm-hmm. i thought that'd be kind of funny if it was this kind of in quotes kind of unhelpful self-help thing and uh i mean some of these points in my book or these philosophies or these rules for life are kind of hanging shit on self-help and and those empty that empty advice you get from fucking all these apparent therapies and like some of them that i've tried but yeah they're i mean they're all i like to think of they're all ways of just saying hey give yourself a bit of a break fucking have a laugh don't you know shit sucks sometimes fucking take the piss be a bit of a dickhead it's all right we're all we're all fucking dickheads we're all just managing what we got and i mean it's convenient for me to have have that to talk about at, at this time when it's been really hard for people to be able to they're not in effect rules you know but it's 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 a play on words i think a bit there i think so but would you say that that is your philosophy the idea that you know that it is okay to make mistakes that mistakes are what make you who you are and i do think by the way just as an external observation i do think that's part of the reason people respond so strongly to you and what you've been doing is because in a time that we were going through in particular where so many people were having hard times traditional celebrities felt fucking useless you know, living in their privileged mansions, talking about, you know, singing Imagine and all these sort of things. They had never felt more unrelatable. Yeah. Whereas, like, I think your story and what you've been through and your journey to get where you are and then your overall perspective about who you are and your success is Mm. very resonant, I think, to the idea that people are going, yeah, I've struggled with shit as well. I've had shitty jobs. I didn't know where I fit in properly. I've Mm. struggled with, you know, things from my past and obstacles that I've had to overcome to to get to this place as well yeah yeah definitely it's um i suppose that's yeah that's probably the most important thing to that i try to jam into the book is that it's just fucking i've just it's been chaos my life's been fucking chaos <laughs> and it often is for people like particularly if you're a bit left of center or you you know you're not trying i'm not actively trying to fucking fit in anywhere i'm, I'm not maybe like you know i look like every other fucking rat bag metalhead but i'm not really trying to fit in anywhere i listen to jazz most of the time like i'm yeah it's been an unusual an unusual life to say the least so yeah it's been nice to just say hey i'm like everyone's fucking life is wild you know even someone's boring life objectively is fucking quite interesting there's a lot of crazy shit that happens and to normalize that a bit's pretty cool to get a chance to try and do that at least i think that's one of the most compelling things about this whole story and i really super enjoyed the book it's incredibly readable but i liked it very much because that it feels authentic in a way that you don't really see authenticity much anymore normally by the time that you see something that's presented as being authentic it's been through so many gatekeepers and so many revisions and so many managers and publishers uh, uh, publicists sort of Mm. i mean you would have even seen this in the world of music which was a world that you were very involved in and passionate about before that Mm. part of being in a band is the capacity to play the instruments but often part of being a band is suiting the look or the style or the direction the band is trying to go in as well yeah for sure i mean my yeah i'm it's kind of like uh i can't i can't help it i can't help but just let it rip in my in my own way if 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 it starts to get recycled by people it just loses its loses your message you know it's the same with rock and roll if there's too many people fucking fiddling with it it just turns into all the other fucking shit you listen to, you know, or you hear on the radio and shit. I mean, yeah, I'm lucky enough to actually uh, get this out of my brain and onto a page because I don't have any idea what the fuck books really look like, if I'm to be honest. (laughs) I haven't fucking read many of them. So it's, yeah, I mean... Well, this is what I will say this. One of my favorite. So there's so many things I like about this book. It's got mm. full of some amazing comic strip stuff, which I thought mm. was really brilliant. Um, I, I love the way that it's set out and designed. It's got this cool sort of yellow cover and you talk about how you wanted a black cover because you metal, but like mm. the yellow cover had to do. <laughs> and then just randomly, it's got some bits highlighted in it. And yeah. it's never necessarily the most 
important bit of the sentence. <laughs> it does seem to be just some random highlighting of sentences every now and yeah, again. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I went through it with my own highlighter because, you know, obviously I'm going to talk to you and I'm like, oh, well, here's a bit that might be really interesting for us to have a chat on. And mm. then I realized that often the bit I highlighted was not the bit that was highlighted no. in the book. And I was like, well, we're on different pages. It takes the piss a bit, yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah, I've, I've been lucky to, to not have any concept of what a book is supposed to be like. So the weirder the fucking better in some respects. I think that is... It's, in, in, it's incredibly important and it feels a little bit like the work you're doing with your channel as well in that it's not meant to be someone else's stuff. It's your no. own stuff. And even the fact that one of your videos, I think a lot of people thought at the start you were a celebrity chef, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, still do some people, yeah. Yeah, so suddenly you get known for something that is like almost not all of what you do. So there must be some temptation in those moments to just lean more heavily into what has become successful. But how do you see what you're doing now? Do you still go, no, I want everything to be much more rounded. I don't want to just be known for this specific angle of what I do. Or does it encourage you to go, hey, this is great. I want to do more of this. Well, in the end, it's just about, for me, it's just about making people laugh. And like the cooking thing is great because it's had these multiple benefits for people because they're able to go and cook. And it's it's been hugely inspirational for people, which fucking blows my mind. But it's awesome. There's been so many people that have connected with the cooking part of it. But I'm also able to be the comic I want to be and, and still crack the jokes I want to and people are hanging out for it at the moment I st- I'm trying to jam some of my old videos in a lot of my old style videos are traipsing around shows where a lot of people are which isn't something I can do at the moment but yeah I try to I try to keep it as I'm not this fucking celebrity chef I'm, I'm not a chef for a start <laughs> but I'm not yeah I'm I'm, yeah, I'm just, just a fella trying to make people laugh but the cooking thing's fun because people we can do it together it's very engaging so it's nice, but as soon as I fucking, you bet, the next boat show or fucking trade shows on, I'm there in a shot. So I'm really interested in this because you tell a few of those stories uh, in the mm. book about all the various places that you've visited and often mm. walking into them thinking, I'm going to take the piss out of this place, but then getting fascinated or intrigued or even having some type of affection for some of the things that are happening there, which is the yeah. show that surprised you the most which was the thing that you walked into thinking i'm going to make fun of all this and yet there was a couple of things in it that you're like oh, hang on i actually quite am interested in this i mean i mean for a cutie angle it would have been a cat show we <laughs> went to a cat expo in la it was fucking awesome it's like i love this it's really hard to take the piss out of this but um there's always something though but even even at some of those shows there'll be a sign on the fucking toilet door or there's shit there that I'm there to laugh at. It's not, it's not even the fucking thing, you know? Like people's number plates at a burnout show, you know? I'll be it's a fucking number plate that's funny. Or, you know, this sign on the wall about trots or whatever. Oh, yeah, there's another one, the, the fucking um, Summonats. I went to Summonats, mm. which, I mean, once you've seen a burnout, you've, fucking, you've seen a burnout, right? I don't want to see fucking three days of burnouts. I dig it. I dig it that that's, that's some people's thing. I'm a bit of a rev head, so I, I get it. But like, Jules enjoyed it, came with me, saw a couple of burnouts. Like, oh, that's great. I think it's enough though, you know. But I, I fucking love little cars. So I was just walking around like, fuck, this is sick. This is awesome. Yeah. I'm, uh, I really love that people have put all their time into these fucking beautiful cars. And I was like, shit, I thought I was coming in for a big big rev up here but well <laughs> I, uh, this yeah. is part of the thing right it, these are all areas where somebody has a specific passion that they're indulging mm. and like most things in life there are a few things in life that are super important you know family and friends and you know these sort of things but then there's a whole bunch of things in life that we just choose to say are important you know i follow this football team because i choose to think that football is important football isn't actually important in the grand scheme of you know the world and humanity but mm-hmm. i choose to think it's important and, you know in the same way as if i choose to think my car's really important and i work on it every weekend and i like to get a canberra for three three days mm-hmm. in summer every year and do some burnouts then yeah why not i'm up for that level of passion so tell me about 
What's your yeah. main passion? If I asked you immediately what you're most passionate about, what would the answer be? At the moment, most passionate about... I feel like I've, I keep saying, like, making people laugh, but that's it. I just try and... It's my survival is just making people laugh because I'm having a fucking hard time at the moment and it's that I'm passionate about keeping on with that trajectory. I'm not, I'm not a happy person. Like, I'm ineffective... I'm not actually very happy. I'm like, I'm seeing this success and stuff, but I'm not, I've got to remember that the reason that I'm doing all this stuff and what I'm passionate about is making people happy and making them feel good. And that, I don't know if that's being escapist about my own shit. I'm trying to address my own stuff while I travel on this journey. But the, the most important thing for me is just fucking get as many laughs out as I can and uh, and then when things chill out for a few weeks, the end of the year, then I'll have a fucking, we'll deal with my own shit. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, there's nothing better than putting your own shit off for a while. We'll just like, I'll, do the, I'll deal with my own shit on my holidays. Well, what it, how do you, I mean, I'm sure you experienced that too. Like you're so fucking busy and like the busy is the thing that's kind of making it worse. But you want to be doing it. You need it. Like, I need to fucking do this shit. I'm, this is what I've wanted for ages. But if I stop doing it, I'll feel shit about that. I'll fucking... Where do you, what do you do with that stuff? There's a lot in front of you. you got to, like, we'll pick the biggest thing. We'll knock that down and we'll fucking do my best to look after myself in the process. I, I must admit there are things over my life that I would love to go back and the DVD commentary of the, you know, this particular episode of this TV show or this night I was doing mm. this show. I'd love to just run people through what had been happening in my life that week oh, or that bet, day. Yeah. Just going, yeah. it's not you like this show, but I'm going to give you a little insight into what happened the previous eight hours. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was a fucking broken unit. Yeah, dragged myself out there and made it happen, yeah. So that's part of this story, and it's something that you talk about a bit in the book. You're obviously, you know, mm. it, it, talking about mental health and talking about, you know, struggling with how you feel about life is an important part of your story and something that you were mm. willing to put out there on paper. Why is it that you wanted to talk about that? Because it's so much of who I am. It's whether I like it or not, it's part of my identity is my struggle and how much I've struggled and how much I do struggle. But also those moments on my channel where I've, you know, I've kind of cut the shit for a minute and just said, hey, I'm fucking, I'm not doing great, but it's all right and I'll be right. But hey, it's all right if you're not feeling all right too. Just, you know, the very simple exchange has had such a huge impact. It's been really inspiring for me to, stand up and be counted so to speak for that that stuff and so i don't know i kind of i'm so outspoken and so such a fucking jabber jaws that talking about it's great right talking about your fucking get it out of your head is is you gotta you gotta get it out of your fucking head or you'll explode so um it's important for me to do do my best to normalize that shit because otherwise i feel like a fucking goblin walking around like a fucking ghoul scaring everyone with how fucked up i am i'm you know it's i'm not i'm not a fucking goblin i'm just uh i'm just another fellow so having a bit of a hard time but yeah i i'm i'm lucky to have that platform what do you what do you do like i mean obviously your work is a component of it but i think what you're touching on at the moment is something that you know we often get wrong in society which is that we think people are sad or depressed or anxious or any of these things because they're not having the success they want because their relationship isn't where they want whereas the mistake yeah. that people make is that you can have great success you can be in a great relationship you can you know have all these things that appear to be going really well and yet your internal struggle can still be incredibly real but right right exactly you see these huge celebrities that are like just seemingly have it all and they fucking take their lives and like there's really heavy heavy how the fuck did that happen you know you've got it all and of course people say fucking arrogant shit about it like oh it's, you know like why would have you done that it's like well there's stuff going on it's, it takes a lot, a lot out of you to to give to give that much, you know, you don't have a lot of space a lot of the time if you're working that hard. But So if you're emptying um, the bucket, like, you know, your work mm. is emptying the bucket, you're doing these things for other people, 
how do you refill the bucket? What what refills that bucket for you? What do you take in from the world that gives you the joy that you're giving out? It's this the stage shows uh, like a good show, a good live show recharges me a lot. Look, yeah, I mean that that's the most congratulations and playing music with my with my mates and hanging with my my mates. You know, it seems a bit fucking boring, but that's that's what gives me the energy to to keep it on to get to keep on going how do your mates feel about suddenly the fact that you they can't walk down the street with you without people knowing who you are yeah <laughs> it's um yeah i think it's a bit intense for some of them but they're all fucking beautiful people i've got such amazing friends they're all so message me i saw you in the thing and you know still congratulating me i saw you my mum saw you she remembers you know Members meeting you, all that. You're all just like really supportive and lovely about it. Um, but it's fucking weird. <laughs> so, what what sort of friend are you? Like, you're not. You know, what would people say about you as a friend if they were gonna like? Well, what do you think people would say about you as a friend? Um, I think they'd say I'm available, uh, and I'm caring, and I'm. Uh, I think I'm a good listener. Maybe, maybe an. Uh, I don't know. It gets a weird rap, but an, an empathetic friend. I'm, I've, I've spent. A, I care about my friends a lot. I've, I've spent a lot of time trying to uh, trying to sh- trying to express that. I mean, at the moment, I feel like sometimes I, I feel anxious about that because I've, I'm so busy. I haven't been able to be as present. And I've got friends that struggle a lot too, so I try to be available for that shit. But I think, yeah, I think they'd say that I was a good mate. One of the things I'd love to talk to you about is. Uh, language like you mentioned in the book mm. and it made me laugh a lot about the amount of times you were warned you know radio and tv appearances not to swear um mm-hmm. i did yeah. not give you that same warning this for this podcast it's fine. no <laughs> <laughs> you're, totally, you're totally allowed to swear uh, on this podcast oh, thanks you get the little e you get the, the e next most to of these have a little e next to them so it does remind me of most of my life mm. in my late 20s and i um what I would say about it is that I occasionally, particularly, you know, having done shows on the ABC, if somebody comes and sees me do a live show, they can be quite angry sometimes about the amount of bad language in their opinion that is in the show. And they'll write me a letter yeah. and they'll say it's disgraceful and that, you know, it, oh, you know, really? you know, you know, it's not clever to swear and, you know, all these, all these sort of uh-huh. things. Yeah. Whereas I'm a person who loves swearing. I love listening to people swear like i've there's been a couple of times Mm. when you've been answering me and to be honest i like have to remind myself to concentrate on what you're saying because i get i just love hearing the fucks come out in the middle of it and i realize i'm listening listening to the fucks and i'm not listening to the bits in between because it is so much of who you are like the way you speak like was there ever a temptation to edit yourself in that regard or were you just very much I'm going to be me nah just be me yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean I have to sometimes right like you are saying before I get reminded by a lot of producers you know I'm to swear no swearing don't do, it for, do it for me don't swear for me <laughs> which is which is alright I get it but um yeah I don't see the fucking problem <laughs> with it most of the time if you're going to have a sad about some language then go fucking live in right. a cave like, I don't I can't, I can't help you. Yeah, I don't, I don't see the harm in saying, fuck yeah, that's like, I had a great day or fuck, that's delicious or how's this shit, you know? I don't, it's, it's, it's just part, yeah, it is part of the way I, I speak. I do like, I do curb it sometimes for, you know, I mean, remember my mum, I try not to swear too much, but um, I, uh, you know, I, I feel like shit <laughs> when I do that, to be honest. You don't, you don't feel like, you know, it's a funny one, language, right? Because there are there are words that I try not to use too much, you know, like uh, c words. You, you get what I mean, you know. I try not to, and I realise that they have they some some language like that makes people feel a bit threatened. And I understand where a word like that, I think we all know that word, how that might make some uh, of my female friends feel, particularly if you're angrily dropping that word can 
can have an effect that isn't an intention from me, but I do need to be aware of. I, I understand that and I try to adopt that. I can do, often can do better and should do better, but I do try to lift, listen to that and take that in. But when it comes to like, that's a fucking, I had the fucking best time last night or, you know, this is great or I fucking feel like shit. I've, I think it's really normal use of language and I don't think there's any threat there to anyone. In fact, this, this is me just being me and, and that's what we all want, right? To be yourself and and I think it's disarming sometimes, right? Like I know when I meet someone, uh, particularly at the moment, you meet you meet prof- big professionals and stuff and when they swear, I'm like, how's it going? Fuck, did you see that thing outside or whatever? I'm like, oh, <laughs> I can swear now, you know. I'm not going to upset them, you know. We're going to have to work that out in a second because I'm going to I'm gonna fucking start talking how I talk I'm trying to ease you into it a bit but yeah it's I think it's disarming sometimes right what is the biggest misconception about you what do people think about you that isn't true um what do people think that isn't true um yeah that I'm that I'm a happy person probably that I've yeah that I'm stoked I think that's the misconception that I must be fucking loving it. I mean, I am in some respects, but yeah, I'm I'm not. I've said a few times in the last couple of weeks that I'm not all right, you know, to people close to me, that I'm not, I'm actually not that all right. Like I'm not, I'm trying to be, I will be, but at the moment I'm not. I think that's probably a misconception, but a misconception about a lot of people. So when somebody says I'm not all right, and I mean, mm. look, I, I'm, I'm in no way expecting you to, like, you know, speak from a medical point of view or an expert point mm-hmm. of view. I'm really just asking from your own point of view. But when you're asking somebody, when you're saying to somebody, hey, I don't think I'm all right, what are you looking for from them? Because there'll be people listening to this who see themselves in you in that situation where they're going, I'm yeah. not all right, and I want to say to somebody that I'm not all right. But also there'll be people who are friends or partners or loved ones of those people who know... Mm that their friend is not all right and their yeah. friend might even say to them, hey, I'm not all right and they just don't necessarily know how to respond in that situation. Yeah. Again, I'm it's not a, asking you to speak for everyone but no, it's okay. what do you, t- talk to me about that. I think for, I think it's important when, when you say, well, well, for me, when I say that I'm not all right, what, uh, to explain what I need um, to just throw, this isn't okay can be can be scary for people because they're like shit. Do we take you to hospital? Fuck. What do, what do we do now? Is this a big red button of fucking bam? Do we need to eject? What's going on? For me, it's like this. This is really full on. I need to be able to take some seconds away to fucking have a bit of a cry or a meltdown. This is going to happen quite a lot. If you've if you've got any more availability for me to be, you know, to uh. I just need to to say, hey, I'm not I'm not actually okay at the moment. This is fucking really hard. It's just like a checking in, like okay, okay, we're not we're not doing great. I would say that to someone, my partner, for example, I'd say that to her, or a close friend, like hey, at the moment, I need some, I need, I maybe need a little more uh, space uh, to be not great or. But, but I, I try to punctuate it with, I am going to be okay. It's not I'm not in a in a harmful space, but I'm I'm not coping well with with the shit that's going on. So that would be how that is for me. And if someone said to me I'm not okay, I'd, I would ask you know those important things like are you safe and stuff like that. But how can I how can I help? How can I be there? And that's often yeah, that's often what, what I get from the people that love me. So you speak about people who love you and you work with your partner, like I mentioned, yeah. as you mentioned. So what's that like? The idea that, you know, you're not just a, you know, off-screen partnership that you've become, you mm. know, you work together now as well. Your work is her work as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's cool. It's, I'm, I need Jules around to to help. I, I need someone <laughs> that I can trust like, like Jules and um, I mean, I have we have like management and agents and stuff, but I need someone with this stuff. It's so personal, my shit, and how we work that 
yeah, it's it's hard for her. It's definitely hard for her. Um, I think I could safely say that, you know, we have some tense fucking times, particularly when the stress is fucking crazy. But we are such good mates. We're such best mates that it's not it's not not anything we can't we can't make work. But yeah. Julesy's given up her previous career to do this with me. So and it's awesome when she's loving it, but it's yeah, it comes with its fucking taxing shit for sure. And do you guys have a um, demarcation between your professional and personal lives, or do you, is it just a fluid situation? It's a bit fluid at the moment, if I'm to be honest. It's a bit fucking the lines are pretty pretty blurry, but um, we're getting better at it. We're getting better at like fucking nah, <laughs> that's that's <laughs> fuck. We're gonna take a bit of a break in a minute, and I think it'll be like. That'll be the Christmas for me, just fucking taking a second off. Once we've knocked, we're just knocking things over at the moment. We're just looking at the, looking at the end game for the year, and yeah, but yeah, it is a blurry fucking workspace because it's like well, we're social media, you know, it doesn't stop. It fucking doesn't stop, and particularly if it's international, it's it's all hours. You gotta you gotta respond to stuff at all hours. We. We have merchandise stuff. We got, you know, there's there's a lot to fucking do. So yeah, maybe we'll try and get some more gang, you know, to help out and ease up that stuff. So it's not so much on jewels. Well, that is you- absolutely what you're saying too, which is part of this that I, I guess I guess I knew instinctively, but I hadn't really considered because, you know, these podcasts are international, but they're not international in the way that you're, you know, YouTube clips and videos and all these sort of things are international. You know, genuinely. Mm huge numbers in different countries international these things whereas like you know we have a bunch of listeners overseas but it's not like in those sort of numbers i'm not answering you know a whole bunch of messages at three o'clock in the morning or anything like that it can wait until i get up so but what you've tapped into is of course this idea that yes when something like yours goes up and it flies around the world beyond your control it's not like you're releasing it 8.30 Wednesday night on the ABC and then you don't have to do publicity again until 8.30 next Wednesday night on the ABC. This is a completely new way of producing content, releasing content into the wild and then, I guess, responding to the feedback that that content is providing. Mm. Yeah, it's it's of your own device, this stuff like you. I can command when things come out and when I stop and start, but it's a... The, the the congratulations that you need from your engagement is by being as engaging as possible and being as present as possible and I try to share what people share about my stuff and reply to as many people as I can and you know, we get lots of really heartfelt stuff being we would talk about mental health things and I think have um, some pretty uh, important messages to send quite often to people and it's a, it's a lot, yeah. <laughs> so that's interesting to me because that's certainly we talk about mental health a lot on this show, and of course, mm. that means that a lot of people will share their own stories. And mm. of course, when somebody's sharing a story like that, you know, you feel a responsibility to also, you know, respond to it in a way that mm. honors what they've shared with you. But yeah. if you happen to be going through a tough time yourself, how does that make you feel? Is that can that be a therapeutic thing, or is it? And ex- sometimes an extra burden because you're like, now I'm not just dealing with what I'm going through, but I'm also mm. kind of dealing with what this person's going through and what this person's going through. I, I find it quite comforting reading. I don't, I, I don't find comfort in people struggling, but I think you understand. Like, I find it, it's almost an escapist part of my dealing with things is that I would much rather look after someone else than myself. Just, I think a lot of us are like that. It's easier to, to say, Hey, it's all right. These things are okay. And talk to someone about what they're going through than it is to sit there and fucking work my own shit out. So I, I've, I mean, of course it's, you know, that's, it's, it takes time to do that stuff and that can be a source of stress in what, in some way, but it's not, yeah, it's it's nice to have that engagement, particularly with there's you know young people that are struggling, and I was fucking really struggling when I was young, and I feel like I would have loved someone that was a bit older to say, hey, that's like 
you know, someone I idolized, particularly to say, hey, like, like you know, I've struggled too. And um, yeah, so it's it's nice to be able to have that chat with with people or respond to those emails or messages. And but yeah, it's um, it's not it's not a bad thing for me. It doesn't cause me overall more drama at all. So how do you think we do with kids who don't fit into the system? Because this is also a theme that you speak about a bit in the book, which is this idea mm. of that if you're a kid who just doesn't fit into the societal norms mm. of what the other kids seem to do. And by the way, we learn as adults that many of those kids who were forced into those norms also didn't want to be forced into those norms. But yeah, yeah. some kids are better at, and I think I probably fit into that category. I was a person mm. who didn't necessarily respond to those norms, but I yeah. could dress up in the uniform of those norms and pretend to be a normie reasonably well. Whereas there are mm. those other kids who just can't even pretend to be a yeah. normie. And it feels like you, fa you fit a little into that category. How does the education mm. system, how do we as a society, you know, actually, you know, support those kids, respond to those kids better than we're currently doing? Um, I think the attention to kind of the a bit more one-on-one -on -one with kids is important i went to a to a steiner school which had a little bit of that stuff at and that was definitely the more positive part of my schooling having a bit more care and a little less addressing those dramas and like addressing obviously stuff like bullying which is when i was a kid was like you know <laughs> shit in place for that was fucking bullshit you know, there's nothing. You just sit down and have a meeting if it got bad enough in the office and you just got your fucking ass handed to you for doing that. Nothing really happened. They're like, oh, we'll tell them and their parents. And I think it's important to have those safe spaces for kids to that aren't fucking fitting in and aren't, you know, doing well to help them find their place and maybe offer an environment that they can feel safe. And I don't mean give them a fucking extra tutor on the weekend to help them thrive at maths. I mean, like, have a space where, you know, maybe they're into, a, you know, they've got hobbies and stuff and can maybe provide safe environments for kids to survive school sometimes because, you know, some kids aren't going to fucking do well at school. That shit just doesn't fucking work for some kids, you know. It didn't fucking work for me. I may have survived it or the skin of my fucking teeth but I can't say there's much from my schooling that I use now really in life other than <laughs> the survival tactics that I put in place to fucking get through it so yeah I think it's yeah is family a thing and forgive me if this is too personal and please are you a mm. sort of person who would like to start your own family I don't want to have kids no that's not uh, I don't yeah that's not something I want for my life I feel like I am my own kid and I'm a lot to manage. I think I'm, I really want a dog, but I'm like very aware of how, how much work that is, let alone. I've got mates, I'm, you know, I'm in my 30s, so I've got mates are, you know, having lots of kids at the moment. I see how much work that is, you know. I've got, to, I've got to be able to look after myself and look after that little homie and I can't, I don't, I don't want to do that. Yeah, you're right. I've already got a kid that I have to get up in the middle of the night for. It's called a YouTube channel. Mm. It's, it's a very yep. successful kid. I've got a lot of letters I have to respond to. <laughs> yeah, they got a lot of homework, yeah. What is it that you're most curious about? Like, is there a, like, you know, you because I see in you a lot of curiosity. You know, when you're going to mm. these shows, you know, what is remarkable about the videos, as you said, they don't end up being, hey, I'm just going to mock these bunch of people who are at this convention. They are very much about, let's find moments of joy within this that mm -mm. maybe probably even the people who go to those things. Like, you know, when you're yeah. going, look at all the you know, number plates on the hot rods at this event, yeah. the people who bought those number plates also think that's funny. Maybe not in the exact same yeah. way as you think sure. it's funny, but they definitely yeah. still think it's funny. I think it's important to separate what, what my where the joke is for me there i don't i don't like to make fun of people i like to make fun of their car yeah i don't I'm, it's not a fucking prank channel where i'm like oh, dickhead, dickheads fucking look at these assholes going to this thing you know it's like it's like look at this fucking boat would you this is the outer it's got a ferrari parked on it that's weird 
I think that is weird. Whoever owns it, that's their stuff. I'm not going to get into it with them. It's the fucking thing. I think what I find curious is how this gets away with being normal a lot of the time. Like how and how funny it is to to go to something like that. Like I've got this dream of going to like a toilet show, like a you know portaloos and going and having a laugh at all these fucking you know it would be fucking hilarious. Like there there are people going to this to have a time. Like people are going to a renovation show and they're bringing their kids and what kids are fucking hating this. It's just like you know all this stuff is. I find I find that that curious that like there's why is this there's so much stimulation going on there's so much stuff in your fucking face particularly at trade shows it's like have this have that you could have this and it's like i mean that stuff's already there but you've you've bunged it all in a show and it's got price tags everywhere and there's someone trying to hassle you to get it and it's so like for me that's like quick quick take the piss it's the only way to survive this room so i yeah i'm curious as to how the world gets away with those. I'm sure I'm a mad hypocrite because there's other, you know, things like that in my life that I like. But yeah, in those instances, I find them so fucking mundane. And uh, well, also the idea of criticism without hypocrisy means there'd never be any criticism. Like yeah, if we rule true, out yeah. the idea of you know being able to be critical about something just because we have some hypocrisy ourselves, then it's going to be a very yeah, world yep, everyone's with, without anybody being able to say anything. So um, yeah. talk, talk to me about the music world because mm. that is also clearly a huge passion of yours, music. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about yeah where where you're at at the moment. Are you playing in bands at the moment? Like what's, yeah. what's what are you doing musically? Uh, it's ta- I mean, it's had to take a bit of a backseat because no one's playing any shows at the moment. Well, they're just starting to play shows again. But uh, yeah, I have a band called Penalties where I play. I'm a drummer, a drummer in this punk band. I'm also a guitarist uh, in a bunch of bands. I mean, I've, that's what I wanted to do when I left school. I wanted to be a musician, but I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on in my life. But I did. I I, I did. I toured to the states, or I joined a band over there to play a big tour. And when I was younger, it's always been something that I've never thought I'm going to make any fucking money out of. I just have to do it. Like I love it. Like I'll play my guitar later. I play earlier. Like I'm just, I'm all, I'm, I need, I need to make that noise. It makes me happy. I need to have music on all the time. It feels like the other part of my body, um, and I like all sorts of music. I know I look like the biggest fucking metalhead, but I've got death metal written on my shirt. Fuck's sake! But <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm usually listening to like old jazz and, and like uh, Indian ragas and. Egyptian music and hip hop and fuck, I just I love music so much. But yeah, I still we're about I'm about to record an EP with my band, another the other half of our album, I suppose, and play some shows. But um, this comedy stuff will be a nice platform to be able to share that. But I don't think that kid dream of being a rock star is um is the success I'm I'm chasing. I just want to fucking get loose at shows and play real loud shit and jump around and i just yeah that's that's what it is for me what's well, a bit of an old uh, you know trope that you know comedians want to be rock stars rock stars mm. want to be comedians but you're like a little of both or at least have had the experience of you know doing both in front of people let's yeah put it that way right talk me through the different experiences though uh-huh. that's what i want to know i want to f- know what it feels like what's the difference between being on stage like you know telling jokes doing mm. your show in front of people versus playing in a band in front of people well playing in a band um you get to hide a lot more than you do being a comic like even as a singer which is something I do as well, is still, there's a lot less. I'm not saying that one's harder than the other or something. It's just the music I get to, there's a there's, an, there's a sound I'm making and particularly with like loud fucking rock and roll, louder the better. And it's, you're, you're asking for different things from a crowd playing rock and roll than you are with comedy. You're asking for laughs, really. You're asking that they laugh if they don't fucking laugh fuck you know you know what that's like if you play rock and roll and no one 
fucking collapse, I suppose. It's the worst that can happen. Like, you know, you, you're there to, yeah, they're, they're different targets. It's different. It's a different uh, feeling you're chasing, I think. But they're both really, one has helped with the other for sure. Being on stage lots, playing playing shit. I'm always talking shit in between the, the songs and stuff. So that's that's helped. But yeah, two very different things, I think. Um, I have some standard questions I ask on the show and I'm conscious of the fact that uh, we're running out of time. So I want to get to some of those if you don't mind. So one of them is, uh, what do you think happens when we die? Do you have any thoughts around death and what happens when we die? Yeah, I grew up in a Christian church. So when I learned to walk and fucking eat, I learned that I'm going to hell if I don't believe in God. So I'm still trying to deal with that shit. I don't know what the fuck I believe. I think the word agnostic is probably the... The closest I don't, I'm I'm still a long way off knowing what that is I think the the um the part of my brain that's logical about stuff would say you return to the fucking atmosphere the ground and the next person gets to have a have a crack I think that's my answer um is death something that you think about I mean obviously mm. you've talked about your mental health is death a part of that yeah yeah hugely I've been really sick and I have like a lot of anxiety, a lot of medical anxiety. Yeah, I do. I do fear dying quite a lot. Um, I wonder why. It'd be, uh, it's like the ultimate fucking day off. I mean, <laughs> it's not, um, you know, it's a pretty dark fucking joke, but it's, uh, yeah, I do. I do. I do. I do, I do fear it, but yeah, I'm still, yeah, doing some growing up there. I don't know why. What would you hope that uh, people say about you? What would you hope that people remember of you? Let's hope it's very uh, long, very long time in the future. But mm. what is it that you hope you know is the legacy of you when you're not here anymore? Oh, that I was a, that I was a kind fella. That I was kind, and I made them laugh. Well, they enjoyed my food. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a lot to ask all those three i'll take any of those no, i think that's fine i think you can ask for three there is no rules to this it's a question you can answer it however you want to answer it and i'm fine with that um do you have a favorite thing to cook because i must admit i've always enjoyed mm. cooking I, mm. I was raised in a family that cooked but over the years of touring as a stand-up and you're just spending so much time on the road my mm. habits of cooking you know, really went out the window. It was an mm-hmm. occasional thing oh, rather sure. than a regular thing. Mm. And then, of course, lockdown happened. I'm in the same yeah. house for, you know, seven months. I'm unemployed. And so I cooked almost every day and I got right back into it. And I'm actually disappointed a bit now that it, things have got more busy again, that I noticed that it's it's Take, dropped takes more of a backseat. Again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So what is it? What's your favourite thing to cook? Do you have a favourite that you just enjoy cooking? I love cooking. I love cooking the, the Sunday roast. That's my favourite thing, mm. and that, that can be many things. But that's that's what I'm looking forward to uh, making an episode. I've been hanging out to make that on my channel. Is my favourite fucking Sunday roast. It's my a lot of my mates know me for it too. I get, you get Sunday's always been the big day in our house. I know it's very it's old school thing to have Sunday roast, but yeah, they, I love that shit because I spend ages. I, I care about it a lot and. Seems like a very simple thing, but a lot of love goes into it. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to that because so I'm vegetarian. So, mm-hmm. but my my partner she she eats meat, mm-hmm. and so Sunday roast I love to be able to cook because I can essentially cook something that'll work for me because I'll just eat everything that isn't like the protein. Yeah. Because you know, I love like roast vegetables, everything that will go with yeah, the Sunday yeah. roast. Yeah, huge part. But of it, then yeah. I can also cook something you know that she's gonna. Eat, right so yeah. i'm gonna wait for you to do this video and then i'm gonna try to recreate this sunday roast i'm, I'm putting that on my board yeah right on okay cool i'll um yeah i often have a lot of vego mates come to those dinners too so i'll definitely include a lot of uh try and make it something for everyone but yeah yeah i was gonna say a special request if you could throw in just the next <laughs> episode, <laughs> yeah yeah i'll great. do it no worries um when are you at your worst? At night time. When, when, when everything stops for a sec and I've got to go to bed. Yeah, it's the worst. When I'm trying to sleep, it's the fucking worst. 
I've got a sleep disorder, so it's pretty bad. Yeah, so not, not sleeping is, is part of it, yeah. Like, yeah, it's that's... when my head chews me out and fucking spits me out, yeah. Yep, night time. I mean, night time when people are around, great, but when everything has to stop is the worst. That's the worst for me. And when are you at your best? I'm at my best when I'm on stage. That's when I'm at my best. Or I'm in the ocean, those two things. If you had the capacity to be able to do anything in the world, this is magic wand stuff. Mm. You don't need to learn how to do it. You can just literally do anything in the world, have any skill, have any job, do anything that you wanted to do. What would that be? Be happy. That's, that's what I want. That's the only skill I want to work out is how to, how to get happy or get happier. I think everything else is so much, the possibilities are endless when you're happy so that's that's what i want to learn more than anything who do you look up to do you have role models do you have mm. like idols do you have people that you you look up to yeah i look up i look up to my mates i look up to my mates i do i think they're everyone who struggles and uh survives they're the people i look up to and a lot of my mates are amazing people we've got a lot of amazing female friends too that that deal with a lot of heavy, heavy stuff that, uh, yeah, have, have taught me a lot. And so, yeah, I think in the end it would be my, my friends that I look up to. What's the best bit of advice anyone's ever given you? Best bit of advice? What's the best bit of advice anyone's given me? Um, well, it's a tough one. Probably to hang in there. <laughs> You got it from that little cat on the poster on the wall? You just, uh, <laughs> just, just, just Hang in there. cat gets it. Hang in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think we'll probably have a better answer for that at some stage, but. No, I think hang in there is okay, man. Mm. Like I think hang in there sometimes is the best bit of advice that mm. you give someone is just like, I can't fix everything that's going on right now for mm -hmm. you and you wouldn't want me to fix it for you. That's it. But what I can encourage you to do is hang in there. Like yeah. let's at the moment just hang in there. Mm -hmm. I like that. I think that's really cool, man. Hey, uh, I've got one more question, but before I get to it, I want to give the book another plug. It's called uh, and "That's What I Reckon." And also, where do people find your videos? If because there'll be, I'm, mate, I'm an old person. Yeah, and yeah. People, there's some people who listen to this who are also old people, and they might not have seen the videos. They might not know sure. where to find your channel. Yeah. Explain to people where they can find it. Now you can find it on the big hitters are uh, Instagram and YouTube and Facebook. There where we post our videos. But yeah, if you bang, that's what I reckon into Google. There's lots of suggested stuff there, a lot of video stuff. And um, yeah, it'll probably link you to my book and things like that if you if you're looking for that. And can I ask which of your videos? So we talked about um, you know the jar source video, which was the one that mm -hmm. sort of blew up. Which is the one? that you think is your best video which is the one that you want people to go and check out the most i think it's, it's probably got to be the bolognese one because the mm. uh in terms of the cooking videos or video videos like in terms of the cooking videos it would be the bolognese one because it fucking wound so many people up with the milk in the bolognese <laughs> and if it was my other videos i'd say the boat show review it would be my other favorite of my vids Again, taking liberty with which one. Final question, <laughs> yeah. Nat. Um, I have a time machine and I can offer you one round trip into the past or into mm -hmm. the future. You can go to somewhere in your own life and you change it, give yourself some advice. You don't have to though. You could ignore your mm -hmm. own life and just visit some place in history or in the future. I don't care what you do with the trip, but it is a, a round trip on a time machine. Where would you Where go? Where would I go? Yeah, I'd probably go back to back and visit myself as a kid, and uh, yeah, and say, so "Don't worry about it, mate. It'll <laughs> it'll come good." I'd probably go back and yeah, buy a lot of cheap records too when they were cheaper, and then I <laughs> can come back. <laughs> buy I'd buy an SLR five thousand Tirana back when they were fucking. <laughs> Only six grand. <laughs> and bring that back with me. 
<laughs> this is the first time the time machine's come back to yeah, Toronto. <laughs> I didn't even know I had a tow bar on the thing. It does. Nat's gone back to himself as a kid, giving him a little poster of a cat that says, yeah, hang in there. And then <laughs> and bought a yeah. Tirana and it's full of yeah. old records. <laughs> It's a big ask, but we'll, we'll we'll try and make it happen. Mate, this has been a real pleasure. I really appreciate no, that you've you. taken the time to do this. It's been a nice... Um, well, it's been nice to re-meet you, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> as it turns out. Um, but I hope people check out your shit and I hope people read the book. And particularly, I would say, like if you've maybe got a kid who's going through some shit or just doesn't quite... You know, you look at your kid and you think, yeah, he's not fitting in with all this other mainstream stuff, but he's got all these other interests and passions and stuff. I reckon it'd be an absolutely brilliant sort of book for sort of, you know, teenage young people who were going through some of the things that you were also going through because it's written in language and in a way that they could definitely relate to, as well as obviously it's a great read for, you know, older people as well. But I do think that there would be, you know, a demographic of kids who probably need to hear a lot of the things you're saying in the book. So... Uh, congratulations mate uh, congratulations so on much. all the success this year and um, you know on behalf of me and my listeners hang in there because this is uh, you know it's a nicer world with you in it mate thank you mate thanks for the kindness you're a legend